Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number six of the Kokoro Movement Podcast. Today we have the movement maestro, Shante Cofield. She is a doctor of physical therapy out of Southern California and an instructor for rock tape. This was a really fun conversation. And without further ado, here we go. But I'm good to go. Okay, cool. So, how long have you lived in California then? Um, I moved here in June of 2016. Okay. So almost two years. Right on. Oh, and where? Really fast. Yeah, it happens. And then, uh, where are you from in, on the East Coast? So I'm originally from New Jersey, but I. Spent the, the you know the, the last nine years eight nine years in New York um, as I went to PT school and okay. I just stayed there afterwards so I was in in the city. Oh okay. And how was that? How was that compared to California? You know it is. It, that song is so true. Really, if you can make it there, you're fine anywhere. Just because okay. it's so fast paced and it's just like always going and it's always a grind. Like I think there's something very special about New York, but you know I love it here. I live in Redondo, so. In California, like people say, like oh, you went to LA, so that much different. And it's like, but I live on the west. I live by the water. It's a beach town. Like, it's slow. It's very different here. So, right. It's it's much better for me. A much better quality of life. I think people that are commuting hours and hours and sitting on the four hundred five, maybe not. But that's not my life. So. Right. And so, when did you graduate from PT school, and then how did you get started there? So I graduated from PT school in two thousand and ten. Like um, I went to New York. I went to NYU graduated and my whole plan was always to move to California but my youngest brother is 18 years younger than me and so that that really kept me on the east coast and you know you go to school and even if you have plans to move right away it's hard like you take the boards or you get job offers or you make connections and you're just familiar with that routine so New York is where I stayed um and I did the typical PT grind I had the, the the typical mill job where I saw you know 18 plus plus patients a day. If I have a 10-hour day, it's like 24 patients. Like, I did it. I did it for five years. Um, and then I was like, I don't... And before that, I was like, I don't like this. But it, uh, five years is when I stopped doing that and got the job with rock tape and started treating privately or independently. Uh, okay. And left that traditional, the traditional setting. And then, so, you just basically started from scratch in California, right? Um, not so much. Like the thing is, I had built a pretty good Instagram presence, okay. and so when I was moving here, uh, there was a, a gym owner, uh, I got this a movement facility owner who reached out to me and yeah. was just like, "Hey, uh, do you want a job?" And I was like, "No," but she was like, "Well, why don't you just come check it out? It's different here." So I went there and I rented space from them. I rent, I still do. I rent space from them, but all of my patients, all of my clients, come from social media. So it was really wasn't like I had to start from this new patient base because the beautiful thing is is social media is everywhere. So if you're doing remote stuff, it doesn't matter where you live. And my main main gig, how I make money and support myself is through teaching. So it wasn't like, oh, I have to have a million patients or how am I going to live? Like patients, patients, I just treat so that I make sure that what I'm teaching is relevant and still works. Right. And so that's really interesting because my – um, I'm a licensed massage therapist, and mm-hmm. um, my dad is as well. He, so he started back in 95 where there wasn't really anything going on, and you couldn't really promote yourself unless mm-hmm. you did yeah. like, the, the yellow pages or, you know, yeah. like he did like the – sometimes they had the ads on the back of receipts at the grocery store, like that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so now we're kind of in a in a completely different space. Very different. Yeah. Right, you can like build a brand 
Yeah. That, you can take that brand anywhere with you, which you is can take really it interesting to me. Right. It's, and so it's just, incredible. Yeah, so just kind of growing up with him, it's really interesting kind of trying to wrap my head around that, and I'm finally kind of starting to get it just from, you know, following <clears> – <throat> excuse me, following you and Perry Nicholson and, like, a whole bunch yeah. of different other people. So now, you know, building my brand is is That's what nice. I'm really working on. So just kind of, awesome. you know, That's yeah. So Awesome. And it's good to hear, you know, so this uh, podcast is going to be catered more towards people that are just kind of starting out and then that awesome. need, yeah, kind of need that education piece, especially for licensed massage therapists because I feel like, the the education that massage therapists are getting right now is just so basic, basic, basic. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. like, so my first course right out of massage school was rock tape because wow. I, you know, started out in um, – I started my athletic journey in mixed martial arts. And, mm-hmm. you know, you get nice and banged up there. I was using uh, lesser quality tape that wouldn't stick forever, and then I found mm-hmm. rock tape and use that all over my body all the time. So that was my first course, you know. So And then, you know, they introduce you to the joint-by-joint approach, and then you're like, well, what does that even mean? And then so, Mm -hmm. you know, just trying to wrap your head around, okay, so the knee problem isn't in the knee, you know what I mean? And then eventually um, I got hooked up with uh, a friend of mine who now works for OPEX. His name is Michael Bann. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so he got me started down the uh, the DNS courses, mm-hmm. you know, because I was asking him about breathing mechanics and cord bracing mechanics and that kind of thing. And then, and then I took rock blades, and then you guys blew my mind again in the <laughs> rock blades course where you said that you're not treating the muscles, you're treating the nervous system. And I was like, well, yeah. what does that mean? Because, mm-hmm. you know, I've been a massage therapist for so long, and they teach yeah. the trigger point stuff and yeah. – rolfing and deep tissue and it's you know yeah. so yeah so let's yeah. uh let's kind of totally. dive down into the rock tape education just for a second um because you actually got me hooked up with um jody who hooked us up with a rock mm-hmm. course here at my home gym in flagstaff and yeah. so i'm kind of reaching out to all the instructors and asking them uh to give like a little bit of background on the rock blades and what they are and how to use them and what the different courses are and uh, stuff like that. So if you could explain that a little bit. Totally. So currently we have, as it relates to our tools, we have three different tools and two different courses. The first one that we launched was rock blades. um, And that's a set of two tools. One is they're both, they are now both stainless steel. When we first came out with it, so if you see older sets, when we first came out with it, it was a stainless steel tool and then a lighter black thermoplastic tool. We've since gotten rid of that plastic tool, um, which I still have, though. I think it has its place. Um, yeah. And now both tools are metal. Yeah. That particular course is an introduction to what we call IANSM. So the traditional acronym is ISTM, I-A-S-T-M, Intermittent Soft Tissue Mobilization. We want to really put an emphasis on the fact that a a large part of what we're doing when we use these tools is actually communicating with the nervous system. As right. such, we've modified that acronym to be IANSM, Instrument Assisted Neurosensory Modulation. This is not to say that you're not having a mechanical effect, but the main way when you use a tool is that you are tapping into different receptors within the fascia, within the tissue, and that creates a, a reflexive change in tissue tone, proprioception, um, pain mitigation, as it relates to the mechanical effect, because we're not saying it's purely neurosensory. Like, you will have a mechanical effect when you use a tool. However, what we're kind of basing this on is a lot of um, uh, a work from kind of Gil Headley's work, uh, Robert Sleep's work, and the concept, and Jeffrey Bove's work, and the concept that when we use a tool, use our hands or anything like that, we're primarily working at fascial interfaces to restore glide. We're not actually breaking up adhesions or breaking up tissue, that our tissue is far more more robust than that. And as such, when we are doing a tool, one, we don't have to be very aggressive. Like all the bruising and stuff that you see out there on social media world, there's no studies to support that that's necessary. And when you kind of take a more common sense approach to it, because I think sometimes we get caught in the weeds and we like go down rabbit holes and 
you kind of forget the bigger picture and be like, well, this common sense, what does that tell us? Like, if I was to punch you and bruise you, you would know that I've created tissue damage and it's bad. But if right. I use a tool and scrape you so hard that you bruise, suddenly it's therapeutic. It doesn't really make sense. Right. So, you know, we're, we're, we, we give thanks to the people that came before us and those models because we had to start somewhere. But a lot of the science and studies are showing us now. When I say studies, a lot of those are based in dynamic ultrasounds and real, real, real time showing us what's happening that you don't need to be so aggressive with this tissue and, and cause trauma to it to make someone feel better or make someone move better. So the basic premise of our course is the, the first half of the day we introduce uh, the neurology behind it uh, or the neurophysiological effects, the mechanical effects of using the tool, and then we present you with five different strokes that happen to different receptors within the tissue, whether we want to relax something, upregulate something, work on pain mitigation, uh, or if you want to work on kind of tissue glide or you want to work on uh, swelling. You have five different strokes. And then in the afternoon, you kind of put that into play because it's like, hey, we've given you five strokes. Let's see how you can use these five strokes to treat anything. We don't break our courses into, okay, this is an upper extremity day and like level two is lower extremity. No, because that's not how the real world works. We can give you five strokes and then based on your assessment, what you see that patient has going on, you use these, any of these strokes, mix and match as you want. And suddenly you realize that you're able to address far more things than if you had learned it in this kind of uh, isolated uh, um, isolated piecemeal way of, okay, here's upper extremity, here's lower extremity, here's this pathology. So we right. can really shy away from that. Um, so that's our Blaze course. We since introduced Mohawk, which is our second, uh, excuse me, our third tool, um, but we call it Blaze Advanced. And in that course we use the tool called the Mohawk. And we call in the Mohawk basically the Swiss army knife of tools. And we say that because it's a stainless steel tool, but it has attachments. It has a silicone attachment, a black, uh, excuse me, a red silicone attachment, and then a black comb attachment. And again, this is a heavy emphasis on the neurology. It's even heavier than the first day. Very heavy emphasis on the neurology um, and how we can use these tools and the attachments to help communicate or to better communicate with the nervous system. We have this, um, the red silicone attachment. It's, it's like tacky. It's like sticky. So you yeah. can use that to glide the skin, but we draw from Diane Jacobs' work and we're saying that when we glide the skin, we can be working on cutaneous or superficial, superficial or cutaneous nerve entrapments. Um, we go down that kind of route. We spend the beginning part of the day talking about uh, what we call two-point discrimination and testing two-point discrimination and the fact that in the presence of long-standing dysfunction, oftentimes two-point discrimination or our connection to that area of our body is diminished. And we should be looking to work on that because as we improve that, that tactile acuity, that connection to that area, pain can potentially potentially go down and movement patterns can potentially improve. Um, so that, that course is only four hours, um, but it's jam-packed and it's a lot, a lot of neurology. Um, so it it's is. more than just uh, a here's a tool kind of question. I mean, you can speak to that because you've been there. It's, it's yeah. We're going to give you the why behind things because one of our central tenets is that when you know a technique, you know a single technique. When you learn a concept, you know a thousand techniques. So we right. want to give you concepts. Right. And so, yeah, Joe Lavaca taught mine at uh, Project Move in oh, uh, awesome. Little. Oh, so you just took yeah. it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Just took it. That's I right. just took it, yeah. And so... As soon as they started showing the silicone attachment, I thought of, you know, flashback to 2010 when Kelly Sturette started mm -hmm. the mobility wad, and he was talking about the junky tissues, right, which is mm -hmm. similar to what you're talking about. And so I've been using the lacrosse ball on my, uh, like, Achilles tendon, especially after a lot of running, and mm -hmm. you use that to create that fascial glide and that Achilles tendency yep. can ultimately get more mobility in your ankle. So then, yeah. you know, as soon as you guys were like, hey, look at the silicone attachment and this is what it does, I was like, oh, my God, you're yeah. genius. And so, you see it in your hand. Right. And then shout out to the new Rock Tape podcast. That's like yeah. the way that, <laughs> the way that uh, Steve – Capo Bianco came up with that was like putting his cell phone in a case and I'm just like god dang it that guy's a genius mm -hmm. like you know mm -hmm. so really fun um so now I'm going to switch gears completely because yeah. you know like I mentioned to you that um I had taken some of the DNS courses and yeah. I just remembered that you have recently taken a PRI course yeah and so yeah so I'm you know 
of the mind that the more tools, the better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've been thinking about taking uh, some PRI courses here in the future. I just can't find one that's local to me. Someone has yeah, to travel. Exactly. So, which one did you take? I took postural restoration. Oh, excuse me, postural respiration. Um, postural respiration. Okay. Cool. So, like, it's called Postural Restoration Institute, but the course right. that I took is Postural Respiration. Right. Um, mainly because so you have three options for the entry-level basic courses, I guess you'd call them. You have Postural Respiration, Myokin, and Pelvis. Right. And I asked around and kind of got some different opinions on what to take first, but the consensus from most people was to take Postural Respiration first, which I agree with. Because kind of what I'm, I've only taken the one, but from my 10,000 foot view and asking around, what it seems like is that each of those three foundational courses addresses uh, pathology as if that title is the driver, meaning pastoral respiration is the breathing course. It looks to say, hey, if breathing is the the driver for your dysfunction, if ribcage positioning is the driver for your dysfunction, here's how you can assess it and address it. In the pelvis, that's they're talking about the pelvis. And then in myokine, I think it's a little bit of a combination. I really want to take the cervical one, but that's you to take the entry-level one first. Right. Um, so I went in with the breathing course, uh, mainly because for me, in general, breathing is our, our most function, most foundational movement pattern. I think that it all starts there. So I wanted to get that out of the way. And people also said that, yeah, you get that one. It's not necessarily as confusing as the other ones, and it gives you a nice foundation. So I went with that. Um, as the first course, and it was good. I think that as with any course, you should go in with a fair bit of skepticism and not be a jerk about things. Obviously, you're very open-minded, but you have to be willing to question things and say, is that actually right? You know, listen, take it in, do your best to digest it. I think that can be one of the hard things with PRI is that it's so dense that I think people, all you can do is just take it in and then try to, like, decipher and decode it later. Um, but I think that I took it at a good place in my career. I do not recommend it for like new grads. Like I'm eight years almost into my career and like very much down the breathing rabbit hole. I think it was a lot easier for me to understand. Whereas if I had taken this as a new grad, I'd be like, holy smokes, how do I even, what do I even do with this? Right. There's so much. Um, but I think that you need to go in with a healthy bit of skepticism and, and questioning things because I, I personally think that their explanations of things are perhaps a bit too mechanical. Um, They kind of talk about ribs flipping and, you know, this being out of place, which I don't really buy into, but I do buy into neurological unwinding. I do buy into, which they didn't say that term, but my my good friend Aaron Swanson actually used that term. I I do buy into the fact that we can use these different techniques to communicate the nervous system, downregulate this, help this tissue to fire better or fire less. I don't think that necessarily we're pushing this back or that we're pulling this, like, into better, like, pulling this thing down or flipping that thing up. Uh, So I think maybe the explanations are a bit too mechanical, but the overarching concepts, I think, are good. And I think that, like you said, you've been nail on the head. It's a tool for the toolbox. And if you can take it and integrate it within within a system you already have, I think it's very good. Um, And I also think that with certain courses – Sometimes the value of a course is simply in a kind of agreeing with what you're already doing or like right. just like, it's like, yeah, you're on the right track. Like people want to go to courses and like have their minds blown. But the reality is there's not that much new stuff out there. Like right. we've been doing the same stuff for years and years. It just comes back and, and recycles. But if you go to a course and it's like, you know, I got three really good new points and the rest of the course is pretty good, but it just kind of confirms I'm doing the right thing, then that course right. is worth it. Yeah. Totally. Perfect. Yeah, because the, the, you know, one of my favorite things about the DNS courses is, you know, you can get the basics just kind of by hunting around on the Internet. You know, we have, mm-hmm. like, we live in the age of information. Yeah. And so I had a basic idea of what was going on for those. I did exercise one, two, and three. But where I learned the most was actually before class, at lunch, and then after class, just sitting around and listening yeah. to these people talk. Because... They're just a, they're just a kind of a, I don't want to say, they're more of a higher level of mm-hmm. intelligence and just sitting there like, you know, Dr. Philip Snell taught my third one. Mm-hmm. And so just sitting there and listening to that guy talk about, you know, because he was the dermoneuromodulation, he was talking about what he calls YAP, which is essentially the same thing, you okay. know, addressing the nervous system 
and creating space for those nerves to move through the tissue, which mm-hmm. is what I use cupping for, right? So, like, if there's um, – the way that I describe Absolutely. cupping with people is, like, if you have I, – I tell them to pretend that they're a nerve and that they're lying on the ground and that they are wrapped up in a straitjacket. That's what is – and so they can't move, and so they mm-hmm. get freaked out and pissed off, and that's what causes anger and pain. And so what yeah. the cupping does is it pulls on the straps and allows you to start moving freely through that I tissue, love that. and then you're not as angry anymore. I love right? that. So, and so that's kind of where I got the description was from for cupping was from listening to Dr. Philip Snell talk to somebody about something. And I love so, it. And yeah. I love it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that we uh, were reading the oxygen advantage at the same time. Yeah. And so you had um, – a couple of Instagram slash webinar kind of a things going on. So if you uh, would you mind diving into that a little bit? And yeah, you, I saw that you were experimenting on yourself. If you had some mm-hmm. tape over your mouth while you were working out, yes. and what were the benefits of that? Sure. First thing before I jump into that, you hit the nail on the head with the fact that you learned so much before, at lunch, and afterwards. I think people right. forget about that and. Everything in life is about network connection. I don't say network, right. but connection. And when yeah. we have rock stock and things like that, people learn the most when they're hanging out and 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 you know having a beer with somebody. Like so, right. I, I love that you said that because I think people go to the things and then they're like, go to the course, try to take all the notes, and then they run out. And it's like right. you maybe have missed a really good opportunity to learn. So I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Um, as go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so you know, and that's. Part of why I'm talking, uh, started this podcast is because, you know, there's people out there like yourself or Perry who are just like all of a sudden accessible now, yeah. you know? So like if I send you a message, I'm like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? The answer is either yes or no. Yeah. So like if you say yes, cool, then I get to have that conversation with that person without being at the course, you know what I mean? Exactly. And so then every, like if I'm learning, then everybody's learning, right? It's, it's, it's so smart. Yeah, endlessly. Um, <laughs> as for the oxygen advantage, loved it. It's one of the resources I tell everyone to go to when they because they get a lot of DMs about like, where should I start learning about breathing? And so that's usually a, a big one that I get people. I'm like, start here. You don't have to take it as Bible, but at least get a foundation from it. Um, yeah. But then for me, the big take home from I'm a big concept kind of person. I, sometimes I forget the, the, the nuances, but the big uh, big take home for me was one the importance. And, and gaining an understanding of the benefits of breathing through your nose versus breathing through your mouth. It led me down that rabbit hole, trying to understand what's the difference, is there a difference? And from the book perspective, it's just like talking about everyday life and some of the things that may plague people, whether it's things like asthma or hay fever or just, you know, basic functional, basic functionality and how this can right. help you. I consider myself a fairly healthy individual. My world is performance. And so that led me down the rabbit hole of going into Brian McKenzie and power yes. to endurance and how to utilize these same concepts because it's not new, right? We're looking at potato breathing. It's the same thing. It's not new. But utilize these concepts in the concept, in the context of performance. And, and the whole, the whole take home, I guess, if you want to get down to the nitty gritty from of what's the big take home there. Breathing through the nose, which is breathing through the mouth, in terms of learning about CO2 tolerance. I yeah. have been, I put tape on my mouth when I was doing some of like the warm up stuff and working out, low level stuff, and when I was sleeping, because we have this, there's a theory, right? That theory that they're setting forth in oxygen advantage is that when we breathe through our mouth excessively, we're blowing off a lot of CO2. And CO2 is actually what determines our, our need, uh, to breathe. Right. It's, right. Not, it's not lacking oxygen. It's like, hey, I, I have to get rid of the CO2. So right. as we improve our tolerance to CO2, we can, you know, slow our slow our breathing um, and, and reverse that cycle. Whereas if we're just breathing through our mouth all the time, the barometer gets set lower and lower and lower, and suddenly that's the way we breathe. And it perpetuates these bad postures and this forward head posture. Um, and if you want to go down the free radical route, right, breathing creates free radicals in the body. Um, we've done that rabbit hole of, okay, cancer, because they've got bad things. So it's just like there's little things that we can do 20,000 times throughout the day, and maybe they can add up. So it just right. it wasn't something that I was like, I will never breathe through my mouth, and if you do, you're terrible. But yeah. I think that the first step in anything is gaining awareness. And the oxygen advantage makes you aware of, hey, 
what are some of the potential consequences of solely breathing through your mouth? What are some of the benefits of working on and focusing on breathing through your nose? And then down that rabbit hole of, hey, what are some of the potential benefits of a breathing practice, of getting right. better at breathing? Like, you know, I think that was an advantage is kind of like once to get you back to better health. Like, hey, a lot of people are unhealthy. Here's something you can do to start getting healthy. And then it takes you, it starts leading you down that rabbit hole of, hey, go look at other resources and figure out how you can get even better. Right. So, you know, the, what I try to tell people, especially uh, coaching CrossFit workouts, is, you know, to calm your breathing because then mm-hmm. they start doing these short panic breaths into their chest yep. with their mouth wide open. And then, you know, like the book says, they're breathing off way too much CO2 and then they're not getting enough oxygen in their body and then they're freaking out. Exactly. And so, you know, but I learned that in, uh, you know, martial, martial arts. arts like, sure, exactly. Right, because you're getting beat up. And so exactly. if, you, if you're panicking, then you're not thinking. And when you're not thinking, mm-hmm. then you're getting beat up more. So, exactly. you know, being able to calm yourself under duress is just critically important for just about anything. So, like, if you're having a rough day, you know, then then you're rapid breathing and then you're starting to panic and then you're getting anxiety, which is making it worse. So if you just calm your breathing and just sit down and focus for a second, then you'll be exactly. fine. Exactly. So, exactly. And so what I tell people is, ironically – Smokers have the best breathing practice because I know it's weird, but because so whenever they get stressed out or angry or upset, they take five minutes, they go yeah. outside in the sun and they take You're right, big, and they deep breathe. breaths right for five You're minutes, right. and then they go back in and they feel better. The problem right. with that whole scenario is the cigarette, right? So if they yeah. got this, so if we can get rid of the cigarettes, and people are better. Or yeah. make it acceptable for people that work in workplaces to just go outside and breathe for five minutes and then come back in. Because for some reason, mm-hmm. smoking gives you a get-out-of-jail-free card that allows you to just kind of go do that. Which You're is so really right. Weird. You yeah. are like, that's something that I don't think many people have thought of. And you're like, so spot on. Like, just, yeah. Well, because I have a lot of, so, you know, a lot of my clients are uh, first responders and they're just under stress response constantly. And, you know, just, you know, when you get done with a call, just go outside, collect yourself and breathe for five minutes before you go back in. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you just be so much better off. But That is so smart. Yeah. Like, just, so smart. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, it's a great way to – we learn so much when we start looking at things from a different perspective. And it's like right. that's one of the best parts, again, tying into this. Uh, connectivity and networking is because it's like suddenly you get a different perspective. That's something I would never have thought about, and you're you're spot on. Like, right. yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, and then just total going total back sense. to Brian McKenzie, I've been following that guy for a really long time because uh, I started CrossFit back in 2010. Oh, you're an OG. OG, and so yeah. um, he, uh, you know, the, like the way that that guy taught running mechanics was just brilliant to me. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because there's an argument be think, between forefoot striking and heel striking. Yes, all the time. And so, yeah, so he said just, you know, start jump roping. And yeah. now start heel striking while you're jump roping. Weird, you stop. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, just the way that he breaks down and analyzes everything. And so, you know, what I love about him is he looked at, like, that elevation mask and was like, that's yeah. stupid. Exactly. And then, he was so against like, it. Right, but then he tried it out and was uh-huh. like, mm, man, my core stability is better. You know, yep. my breathing mechanics are better. There's a bunch of muscles, like including my diaphragm and transverse abdominus and all this different stuff that are turning on when I use and, like, forcefully breathe in with the mask. And then ultimately, you know, you, your recovery is better. So he started using it in between intervals and found that he was completely recovered by the time he took the yep. mask off for his next run. So, yeah, I love that guy. And I... I've been trying to get to his Art of Breath course. It's great. You have to go. I was fortunate enough to go right in the beginning. I mean, I live in a good place. So when I was in New York, it was easy. When I was here, easier here. I can find a small course here than in New York. I think it's a space thing. Uh, But I was fortunate enough to go to one of his, like, inaugural ones. And since, I think it's revamped it. But you know what the craziest thing to me was is that the week – so I went two weekends in a row. The first weekend I went to Wim Wim Hof Experience. Right. And then the second week I went to Brian. And yeah. in my opinion, Brian's class 
I guess you should say Brian and Rob's class. It was not really just Brian. But I went yeah. to Art of Breath, and it was exponentially better. But yeah. it had maybe, I don't know, maybe there was like 30 of us in there, 25, 30 people. Whereas Wim Hof's class had, I think, 400. Yeah. And it's so interesting. Like, I, you know, they both had their ups and downs. And I'm glad that women just at least has brought to the forefront the importance of breathing and, and things like that. But it's so interesting what what sells, what gets out there, what attracts people. Because if someone was to ask me, hey, which course did I take about breathing, in a heartbeat, I would say take Brian's course. I would probably never recommend Wim Hof. That's what's bad. Um, right. but it's, a, I mean, it's, Wins was an experience. It wasn't really a course. It was like a four hour experience. Yeah. Uh, but Brian's course was just like, or the art from, of breath is so good. Well, just from the outside looking in, just kind of thinking like Wim Hof has his own method. And mm-hmm. Brian McKenzie has, he takes pieces of everything and combines it into what he knows works best. Yeah. And so that's where I would take Brian's yeah. course for sure. Yeah. But then, you know, I'd most likely sign up for Wim Hof's course also just because there's something that you can learn for everybody. Exactly. That's why I did it. Because I was just like, this is a big thing. I want to know. You can't say something good or bad, or especially bad, about something until you've tried it. You can't be like, right. oh, no, it's not good. Like, did you try it? Though? Right. No. <laughs> like, no, you just hurt your friend said that? Well, that's not a very good way to judge that then. Uh, Man, so, that's... you know, I went. And definitely Brian's course. Yeah, that reminds me of the CrossFit space. You know, I can't <laughs> do a pull-up. How do you know? Have you tried? Like, and so there's a lot of people that just talk themselves out of doing stuff before they uh-huh. even do it. Absolutely. Mindset, you know, man. So, right. So your that post that I reposted a while ago where you you can't be mad be, about yeah. something that you didn't practice or put the work in, yeah. right? Exactly. You know, and so there's people that come up to me every day at the gym, well, I'm terrible at double unders. Cool. How many did you do today? I didn't do any. You know what I mean? So, like, Mm -hmm. you know, then I take the 10,000 hours to be an expert thing, and then I'm like, okay, so you're going to do 100 reps a day for 100 days. And then by 10,000 reps, I guarantee you'll be better at it. Exactly. And so out of the 20 people that I tell that, five probably do it. number. There you go. Like, that never changes. Yeah, the so, that do it. you know, then that jumps me back to, like, the social media thing, because I've been following Gary Vaynerchuk a lot, and he says that he gives out all of his information for free because 99.9% no of people anyway. won't do it. Right. Yeah, so. exactly. I've had that exact discussion. I had a friend once early on when I first started social media, and she was like, you're, like, doing all this for free. Like, why? And then I, that was my inkling. Was I was like, well, one, no one's going to do anything. And two, it's like it's your own spin anyway. Like no one can actually totally copy and recreate it, so it's fine. But then, right. as like my social media following grew, and I, you know, get asked to go to dinners and talk to people, I have met with so many people, and I've told them exactly what I did, exactly right. what I would recommend to start taking steps to change things. And literally, I think three of them out of all the people I've met with and emailed and everything with, three of them have done it. And it's just like, I get it. Like, it's scary to change. It's scary to take a leap. It's scary to do new things. I get it. But just like you said, like, you can put it out there because no one does it anyway. (laughs) The hardest part is it's not hard to read about stuff. It's not hard to, and you said an age of information. It's really not hard to even connect with people who can help you. The hard part is actually doing it. And people usually stop there. So you've hit the nail on the head so many times that I might do <laughs> you know, but that's why I talk to people that are smarter than me, so I can learn stuff and talk about it to exactly other people. It, right? <laughs> because, that's exactly. Yeah. It. So you know, that's uh. So then uh, let's talk about how you got hooked up with Rock Tape because I think it's yeah. everybody's. Sure. You know, I talked to a couple different people, and they're all their paths are just completely different. I just think mm-hmm. that's fascinating. It's, absolutely, it's a question I get a lot. Um, so I got hooked up with Rock Tape. Through Perry, basically. Okay. Um, and the story goes, I took rock tape for Perry. I really didn't have any interest in taking rock tape. I thought it was just a taping company. Um, I didn't have a huge interest in it. But my friend Jesse said, nah, he's like, if you're going to take a taping course, take rock tape, it's pretty good. And I was like, okay. And then this was like right around the time that I was like starting to do stuff on social media. And I like, just started to like look at things on social media. And I had yeah. discovered Perry, and I was like, dude, I really like this guy's stuff. Um, and I was, like, really jaded with my job and this hating life. 
Yeah. So I, I t- reached out to him. I took it. Um, fell in love with it. Like, absolutely. Like you said, they introduced you to so much more than tape. It was yeah. joint by joint approach. It was fascial continuity, fascial chains, regional interdependence, all these bigger concepts. That is right. like it doesn't stop here. Here's a here's a door. Go go down that rabbit hole. Right. And yep. so afterwards, when the, after the course, um, I reached out to him and I asked him. I was like, "How do I become an instructor? I love this." And the only reason I asked him, and it, was, it changed my life asking him, was because I had a student, Mark, at the time. Uh, there was a student at my clinic, Mark, and he was telling me about all these amazing opportunities he had had. He like met K Star. He got this course for free. X, Y, and Z he had done, and I was like. My dude, like, how did you get all of this stuff? And he looked at me dead in the eyes, and he goes, "I asked." And I was like, oh, "Well, <laughs> look at that." Right. Who would have thunk it? So I took a chance, and I was like, "You know what?" Mark said that he, he asked, and I was like, "What's the worst that happens?" I ask, and Perry says, "Like," and they say, "No," or like, "Leave me alone." Like, right. I'm right back where I started anyway. So right. uh, I emailed Perry. And I was like, and he kind of knew me because we've been going back and forth. And I, I think I'd hosted his course. So, like, I emailed him and he was just like, I'll put you in touch with Allison. And, I, you know, I got some connections through there. I sent my, sent my resume in. They were happened to be hiring. And, you know, they needed more PTs. They wanted someone for weekday courses. And it was really just, like, the right place, the right time, everything. All the pieces were meant to be, in my, I, I, I believe. Yeah, it was that's meant awesome. To be. And so, you know, the, the, one of the things that I try to teach people a lot in the CrossFit space is that failure isn't a bad thing. It's just, it's just a thing. And so, you know, like if you, you had a career, so if Mm -hmm. you were like, hey, Rock Tape, can I work for you? And they're like, no. You're like, okay. So then you just keep going on with your career. And so, you know, so like what happens if you fail at that deadlift? You just don't list it today. Exactly. So now you know what you need to work on. So it's, or That's if you fail to outlook. pull up, now we know where your workout is. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. you know, sometimes so, you win, sometimes you learn. That's what it is. Right. And so, you know, um, in jujitsu tournaments, it's like the same thing. Like, I have a friend of mine who's, well, what do I do if he armbars me? I'm like, how do you even know? Like, you haven't, yeah, even, you haven't even weighed in yet. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, well, 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 you can't just have anxiety about one thing because then you'll get choked out. Or exactly. You, you know, so, like, what – so, in, like, jujitsu is, like, ultimate problem-solving, like, on the moment. Okay, well, that didn't work. What are we doing now? So, this is what this mm-hmm. guy's doing. Now i got to figure this out. You know, so then if you slow down and look at your life as a whole, it's just a series of successes exactly. and failures, and most likely the failures come from successes, right? So yeah, it's just yeah, that's really awesome. And Perry Nicholson is just seems to be at the Everywhere. forefront of everything, and so all the time, that you know, his name will come up all the time. Yeah, so the way that I've been thinking about him lately is like he's the semi driving down. The Highway in a snowstorm, and you're just in his tracks. And if you yeah. stay in his tracks, you'll probably you're be good. all right. Yeah, yeah. because um, you know. So I'm you're good. You know, neck deep in the NKT stuff right now. Um, mm-hmm. I've been doing like the ANF stuff for like the last couple months, and mm-hmm. that's just brilliant too. And it's just you know, just follow that guy. He knows exactly yeah. what he's talking about. Exactly. And so yeah, It'll that's okay. awesome. And and just everybody has these lighthouses so even people that i look up to like you you're like looking up to perry and perry's looking up to you know all these other different people so you just gotta if you get in and follow the right people on social media then you'll follow the right courses to take and then you'll be exceptional at whatever you want to be doing i could not agree more i think that people can poo poo social media but because you're using it wrong it's like you can follow a bunch of people that maybe make you feel bad about yourself or that post nonsense or you can use right. it as a free educational resource and be like look what other people are doing keep your finger on the pulse of, of you know the movement times and and use it that way that's right. definitely how i use it too so yeah so but you know i'll have to admit that i do get addicted to it every once in a while and i Absolutely. just kind of turn my phone off and set it down and take my dog into the woods and, you know like yeah but you know right now i'm trying to you know build my brand so i need mm-hmm. to be on it all the time so it's like yeah. you know but and i also have to right and just set parameters around it, it you know so like if i'm going out to dinner be present at dinner with those people exactly as long as you're not that one person that's you know on the phone all the time exactly Ugh. and so you know the 
that Gary Vaynerchuk guy, that guy's mm-hmm. phenomenal. But he's talking about how, you know, like the social media is ruining everything, and he's saying that's false because it just exposes yeah, you. Exactly. Like you, you probably wouldn't be communicating with that person at dinner anyway. You know yeah. what I mean? You just now you exactly. have something to distract you instead of just exactly. sitting there awkwardly. I so. think people they want to put the blame on other things, and it's just kind of like. Let's find out the actual root of the problem and then let's take a step back and say, why am I opposed to this? Is it because it offends me? Why is it offending? Because it affects me in some way negatively and I don't understand it? Well, then that's right. what needs to be addressed because it is just a tool like anything else. And I, honestly, for me, social media has been life-changing and it's not been isolating. It's actually the other way around. Like, I connect with and communicate. Well, you know, you are right. in Arizona. So it's right. still someone I would probably would have never otherwise connected with. But I've right. done these with people in Australia. Like, right. that's someone around the world. And to tell me that, oh, it's isolating you, like, I don't know if that's right. I think right. that depending on how you're using it, perhaps, but it can also be this incredibly powerful thing that can, that connects you to so many people and opens up so many doorways. So, I mean, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. And, yeah, and anyone and everybody, like anybody, whatever, whoever, it's just insane. Like when you think about it, like you're looking at all these industry leaders and then you just reach out to them, hey, I want to yeah. learn from you. And then, so can you be on my podcast? And the yes or no, cool, then I'll move on to the next person. Exactly. You know what I mean? So then, it's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And so, um, and when did you start working for Rock Tape again? Uh, 2015. Okay. The so end of 2015. So that was right around the time that I took my first rock tape course. So how much has it evolved since then? Should I, because I was talking to Joe Lavaca about it, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, it's evolved quite a bit, but, you know, taking a rock tape course from him and then taking it from you exactly. and taking it from anybody else, you're going to get different information every time. Exactly. That's what's changed more than anything. I think the curriculum itself, hasn't changed tremendously. Um, we've added new courses, and that's what you'll find. So, like, I'm trying to think of, like, the decks that I've taught, the, the decks that I teach, you know, when teaching. Um, Wade wasn't even around yet. It was just taping. So, like, the decks from taping hasn't changed that much, the actual, like, basic content. But right. if you want a different experience within Rock Tape, you take it with different instructors because that's, that's in my opinion, the beauty of Rock Tape. Uh, is that we have the freedom to uh, tell the story kind of however we want, as long as we tell the story. And right. so you'll definitely get a different experience with Terry versus me versus Joe versus Adam uh, versus Courtney. We're all going to bring a different flavor to it, and I think that's where you'll get the most variety is between right. these. But not in a bad way either. It's not like, oh, but right. like I missed out and I didn't get the basic stuff. Like You'll get the basic stuff from everyone. Uh, right. But you're gonna get a little bit different flavor with each instructor, so yeah. Yeah. My so boy Jojo, my, I love him. Yeah. So one of my friends, uh, um, she took the rock tape course from Adam, and just like immediately right out of the gate, like because that guy is beyond intelligent. You know, I listen to his podcast all the time, and I've been following him quite a bit. I'm probably gonna take one of his courses soon if he comes by me again. He comes down to Phoenix every once in a while, but. Yeah, she said as soon as that guy started talking, she was just like, oh, I don't even mm-hmm. know what happened. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's, yeah. you know, he's done the neurokinetic therapy stuff, which is really, um, you know, anatomy and physiology and, you know, the just mm-hmm. so accurate. And then he's also done um, the uh, Gray Institute, which is yeah, even it's more a little different. Yeah. yeah, he's a little bit yeah. different in his approach. Um, right. But the thing is, I think that, we all need to take a step back and realize it's the same stuff. It's a kaleidoscope right. of information. It's like, here's my take on it, here's my take on it. It just turns the dial a little bit. Um, right. So I think that's the coolest part is like, go and, you know, see see all. That's why I'm a very much a level one person. I take level yeah. one in a lot of courses, and I see what the general flavor is, and I'm like, do I want more of this? You know, I took level one in NKT. I've taken the PRX. I'm going to go a little bit more down the PRI route. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily go like, into wait, I've taken some IPA stuff. I did the basic SFMA one, um, just so like kind of get that flavor and, and see like, hey, how can you make make your own style? Um, but I agree that you, you see that everyone. It's it's cool because each of these subjects has a different background, and then on top of that, they put their spin on it and their yeah. how you know they're taking all of the the things, the tools that they have, 
um, and putting it together. So definitely an interesting mind with Adam. I'm working on a, a collaboration with him for our November. We'll see if it comes to fruition. But that's what actually one of the coolest parts about working for Rocktape is that you're you're surrounded by all these really smart people, uh, and it's just like, hey, I want something with you. I want something with you. Let's do something together. And it's cool. Right. Like, it's a nice think tank. It really is. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so when when can we expect your podcast? Because you've been talking about it for a while, right? Yeah, I'm talking for like a year. Um, it should be out in about two weeks. Oh, cool. Um, I was just waiting for a new. I got a new website built. Um, spending all of the money. I got a new website built. I have already recorded some episodes of the podcast. Very different than what I think people are going to be expecting. Um, yeah. Not this traditional, like, I'm going to call up Perry and interview him. Because there's lots of them out there, and they're great. And this is why I don't want to do another one, because there's lots of them out there already, and they're great. Um, yeah. A bit more Tim Ferriss approach, where there'll right. be some that are just me speaking. Um, I will do some kind of interview style, but it's going to be a bit different than I think what people are expecting. But we'll see what the feedback is. I, I tend to do things because I like them, not because I think people want them. Um, right. And it's 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 worked out okay so far. I've been really happy with it. I, I think, you know, people ask me, like, oh, I want to start social media. How should I do that? I'm like, do what speaks to your heart. Do what makes you right. happy. Otherwise, you're right. going to stop doing it. Well, and then just, like, don't overthink it. It's just like yeah. a deadlift. You're just literally picking it up exactly. off the ground. You don't have That's to. It. Yeah. So, and then, um, you know, sort of like the social media piece and, like, what I've been really working on lately is just making sure that you're just putting out content. And exactly. If you, put, if you put out more content, then you have more attention. But then you're exactly. also taking attention from other things in your life, so you have to find that balance. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, right now I'm just putting out, like, one – piece a day and that way I can focus on you know because I'm reading you know at least half an hour a day I'm trying to you know find all these different courses plus working plus coaching plus working out plus you know being a husband and being a dog owner and you know it's all so you just got to figure out what you're trying to do so you know I had a conversation on a previous podcast about that where like what are you really trying to accomplish with your social media presence, right? So, like, yeah. um, so, because I've mm-hmm. heard, you know, listening to, like, Tim Ferriss, who says you, you need a 1,000 true fans before you become successful, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, so then um, looking at, I was listening to The Body of Knowledge with uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, mm-hmm. and, you know, he was interviewing one of his friends who used to own, it was CrossFit LA, and oh, then they, okay. yeah, they rebranded into um, Oak Park. And so then he was like, okay, so now I need to get onto this Google thing and I need to get on social media and I need to, like, rebrand this and, you know, refocus and get all this attention. But then he started looking around. He's like, okay, so none of my members left during the rebranding process. So then what would be my goal of doing this if I already have enough members? Because if I start to get more, then – classes will be overfilled and then the members won't get enough attention and then it'll start to, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I think being realistic with what your goals are for social media is very important also. Yes, absolutely. I think people sometimes start it, like you said, they're they're uncertain why, and that's okay if you don't really know why in the beginning because it it can evolve and as you go and then like your purpose and your your why becomes more clear. I know for me, like my audience chose me. I started it. Kind of thinking it'd be more aimed at the crossfitter, or the average crossfitter, and that's like probably the smallest of my audience now. So it was like I just wanted to have a voice and be able to put right. my ideas out there. And then as you go, it's like you said, you're refining it. It's just like you said with that. That's a perfect analogy. That deadlift in the beginning, don't overthink it. Just just do it. And then as you right. get better, as you do more, something's like okay, well now I can refine this technique a little bit. Um, I'm lifting more weight. I want to change it up, or I can play around with. Uh, you know, my, my programming now because there's more behind it. That foundation has been set. So in the right. beginning, it's like, just start. Just do something. Right. And then right. as you go, you're like, yeah, this is my why. This is what I want to be doing. This is my audience. And then as long right. as you're wise enough to be looking for that, you know. Right. So, you know, I've learned that a lot um, because I've been coaching for eight years now. And so, <laughs> you know. a long time. <laughs> I have. Dang. But like, uh, just, you know, but. 
I can, you know, with the education that I have now, plus like how long I've been doing it, I can really break down each mechanical piece of the squat if you want me to. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's some athletes that I do or ring muscle. That's another perfect example. So like, Mm -hmm. you know, if they've been doing CrossFit for a substantial amount of time and they have the strength and the ability to do it, then I can break it down piece by piece, or I could just be like, get on top of the rings, man. Like, that's yeah. what your goal is. Just yeah. get up there. You know, so, like, yeah. if if the if the complex doesn't work for me, then I just say the easiest thing. Absolutely. Like, and so, you know, then figuring out how to say the same thing to 30 different people 30 different ways, that's another mm-hmm. thing, too. Because I've had people come up to me and be like, well, no coach has ever said that to me before. Yeah, the art of teaching. Right. No, they just haven't said it to you this way. That way. Exactly. And I learned that from teaching boxing because you wouldn't believe how difficult it is just to teach people how to do a jab. I'm sure. Until you're just like, stick your arm out and back real fast. That's all you're doing. (laughs) Like, it's unbelievable. (laughs) Do more. Do less. Do Do too much. Yeah. More. Yeah, real fast. Protect your face. That's what's happening. Yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. Yeah. All right. So I think that I have taken up enough of your time today. All right. Yeah. I love doing these things. So yeah, I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. No, thank you for having me, man. This is a awesome opportunity. You know, I love this stuff. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Uh, definitely link up with you. Said Stu's teaching it. Yes. Yep. Awesome. So, yeah, definitely. Do you need me to connect you two? So um, I was just going to try and get a hold of him on Instagram, and um, if that doesn't work, then I'll reach out, and we'll figure something out. Okay. That, I, right. don't know, I don't know how big he is on Instagram, but if you need anything with that, let me know, and I'll set that up for you. Okay, dude? All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, my All man. Right. Absolutely. Bye. Talk soon. Bye. Sounds good.